Well, we started out the year with, with prayer. We started out the year by praying and kind of praying through the idea of Acts 1-8, that we would be God's witnesses here in our Jerusalem and then in our Judeas and Samarias and to the ends of the earth. And that was one of our goals, uh, to, to live out Acts 1-8. Um, the other goals are finding fellowship in this time of COVID-19 and this hopefully coming out of COVID-19 as we can get back together and spend time together, uh, finding that fellowship that we were kind of lacking last year um, and becoming more like the church you see in the book of Acts, more like the church that is described in Acts 2.42. And as we lead into Easter, we were doing this just short little series on Acts 2.42. And in Acts chapter two, you see the Holy Spirit come and fall on the church. You see Peter preaching this gospel message to a crowd of people. That crowd, thousands of people put their faith in Jesus and then in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we talked about this idea that they were devoted. We talked about what that devotion meant, that it was this continual, progressive devotion, that they just were continually devoted to the Bible. They were continually devoting themselves to the fellowship in each other. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And, and based on the translation, you could almost say that those things that they were devoted to, that it was the reason they existed. They, they existed for each other. They existed for prayer. They existed for the word, that those were the big things in their life. That was what their lives centered around those things because they, their lives centered around Jesus. And last week we talked about the idea of the fellowship and how the fellowship was so important that everything they did was centered around them being together. And so when we look at their devotion to things, you almost kind of have to look at their devotion to things through the lens of their devotion to things together through the lens of fellowship. They continually devoted themselves, and again, themselves, plural. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the prayer, to Jesus, the Christian life. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was the Old Testament. It was Jesus' teaching. It was the apostles' teaching. It was what we know as the Bible. And there's a sense of community in the New Testament that goes along with the Bible. If you look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, that it's the, it's the inspired word of God. God breathed the inspired word of God. The spirit spoke through the writers of the, of the Bible and it is the inspired, inerrant word of God. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says that God has given us this book for what? For, for teaching. And with that, it's the idea he's writing this to Timothy, and Timothy was a young pastor in the church of Ephesus, and, and 
Paul is telling them that this scripture is useful for, first of all, teaching. Well, who's he teaching? He's teaching the church in Ephesus. He's teaching, this scripture is useful for teaching each other. That God has given us this book for what? For rebuking who? Well, each other. Yes, that, that we have this book and sometimes we will read it and God convicts us and, and gives us a little bit rebuke from it. But he's also given us this book for rebuking each other. He's given us this book for correcting each other. He's given us this book for training in living a right life. Training who? Each other. It's this book, the Bible, is written for groups of people to read and use together. Now, don't get me wrong, it it can and should be used on your own. It can and should be used individually. You should have your own personal Bible time. But if you're not using this book in the context of together, in using this book in fellowship, you're missing a big part of what this is for. Remember, when, when Paul wrote that to Timothy, when in the New Testament times, in, in the times of the early church, it's not like everybody had their own copy of the Bible. It's not like there was a printing press back then where, you know, they, you became a Christian and somebody came up to you and said, here, here's the word of God. You need to read this. Start with, you know, John chapter one. That's a great place to start. No. In the New Testament church, they read the book together. When they came together in synagogue before the New Testament was there in to read the Old Testament, they came to synagogue to hear it together because there wasn't everybody had their own copy of the New Testament. Everybody came together and they had, they'd have a big giant scroll that were heavy scrolls because the book of Isaiah would take a lot. They would come together and they would learn from scripture. And then when the church came together, they would come together to learn the things that Jesus said and the stories about Jesus. They would learn together. And when the apostles would write letters, they would write letters to the church to be read when the church came together. Colossians 4.16 says, after this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of, La- of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. He's saying, take this when you're done with it. After it's been read to you, take it down to Laodicea so that their church can read this. And while you're there, get the, the letter I wrote to them, bring it back to your church and read it to the church. Having your own Bible is a wondrous, miraculous thing. Because in so many countries, even today, Bibles aren't available. We live in a country where you can go and buy a Bible at Dollar Tree for a dollar. That's amazing. Other countries, other Christians would love to have that ability. 
Having your own Bible is, is a miraculous thing. But in our very sort of individualistic, isolated culture, we've kind of lost the fact that the Bible was originally written with the purpose of it being read together. Ephesians 5, 19 talks about speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, where did those psalms come from? Scripture. Where did they get their hymns and spiritual songs from? Scripture. How often do you speak scripture to one another? There's so much good in that, and, and, and I fall short of that too often. Too often, I, you know, I'll, give, I'll try to give good advice based on scripture, but, but how often could we just speak a word of scripture to one another to encourage somebody, to give a little bit of wisdom, or maybe to correct somebody a little bit? The word of God, it, it, there's so much good in speaking scripture to one another because it's meant to be something that we use together. Just look at Jesus or Paul or any of the New Testament writers. It was part of the way they talked. Scripture was part of their conversation. I, I picked out just a couple of days ago, Romans 10, the first 13 verses. And, and you can go through anywhere in Romans and, and he, it's, he, it's just the way Paul talks. Look at, but look at Romans 10, one through 13. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites, is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And he says Moses, so he's writing to a church in Rome with Romans and Jews and again, if you remember back to that series, a mix of people, but he's quoting Scripture as he writes to them. He says, Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. That's Leviticus 18.5. He says, but the righteous that, righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. He's quoting Deuteronomy 30, verses 12 and 13. Again, Moses says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That's Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, and now he's going to quote Isaiah, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For, quotation marks again, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's out of the book of Joel. And so in 13 verses, he's quoted Moses from a couple books of the law. He's quoted a major prophet, Isaiah, and he's quoted a minor prophet, Joel, in just 13 verses. I challenge you, go through your Bible, read through Romans, or just go through the New Testament, and look at how many times there's quotation marks there. Look at how many times he says, for as scripture says, or, or something like that. If you have a fancy Bible, your Bible might even have little numbers in it on there that there are cross-references because he's, he's quoting Old Testament or he's some, some, sometimes even quoting himself or sometimes referencing other things. Paul and, and Peter and John are constantly referencing Scripture. It was part of the way they talked. It was because, and that was because it was part of who they were. It was part of what they existed for. Because they were continually devoting themselves to the word of God. And so it came out in how they talked to each other. Because again, the word of God was used in fellowship. They were constantly reminding each other of what the word of God said. And that's because that's the way they were trained. That's the way the apostles were trained. It was the example they were given by Jesus. Because Jesus regularly quoted scripture. Jesus regularly quoted Old Testament and the prophets and the law. He was continually saying, you know, scripture says, it is written. And the apostles sat under his teaching, and so when the apostles were ministering to the church, that's what they did. When Jesus is angry, when he's flipping tables, he says, it is written, this is Matthew 21, 13. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. That's in Isaiah. But you are making it a den of robbers. That's referencing Jeremiah. So in just one sentence, he quotes two Old Testament prophets. In Matthew 26, 31, says, then Jesus told him, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's Zechariah. As we're getting closer to, to Easter, in Matthew 26, in verse 63 through 65, Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by, living, by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You, you have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. That's Psalms. And coming on the clouds of heaven. That's a reference to Daniel. Both references to the Messiah. I used to wonder... When I, was, when I was younger, why, why did the, because after this it says the high priest tore his clothes and he said, you've spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, you've heard the blasphemy. I, I, I used to think, like, what'd they get so upset about? All he said was 
you know, that you'll see the Son of Man. He doesn't say, look, you're going to see me coming. But, but it's the fact that Jesus is referencing and pointing to the Messiah and, and referencing the fact that he is him. And so there again, Jesus quotes Psalms and Daniel. Even on the cross, as Jesus is being tortured to death. Matthew 27, 45 and 46, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, oh Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which is Psalm 22. So even on the cross, Jesus is quoting scripture. And then you see the apostles doing it in the New Testament, referencing the Old Testament, referencing each other sometimes. Jesus built a culture of making Scripture part of the conversation. Scripture was just a part of how they talked. Because for them, Scripture, the Bible, time in it, studying it, was something that they had devoted themselves to doing together in fellowship. And because they were devoted to Scripture together in fellowship, when they talked to one another, they would say Scripture verses. They would speak to each other in Scripture to, to remind them of what the Bible says. And so if they had to confront somebody on somebody on something, they would use a verse of Scripture. If they needed to encourage somebody, they would use a verse of Scripture. If they needed to give somebody a little bit of wisdom, they would use a verse of Scripture. And it wasn't just in the New Testament. It wasn't a, a New Testament kind of idea. It wasn't just like, a, oh, we started a church and, and Jesus did this and so we're going to do this and this is going to be a thing that we want to do as a church. This was something, it's, it's an Old Testament idea. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, talk about scripture with each other everywhere is what he's saying. When you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road, be continually devoted to scripture, talking about it, speaking it into one another's lives, existing for it. Who do you study the Bible with? Who do you dive into scripture with and discuss it together? And really go after scripture and try to learn scripture. Who do you do that with together? Not, not on your own. Again, having your own personal devotion time is awesome. And I encourage every single one of you to do it. But who do you study your Bible with together. Because if you're not, you're missing such a good and key part of the Christian life. 
And I'll just say this. If you're not studying the Bible with someone, start. Just start somewhere. You know, we've got different connect groups around the church. That's a great place to do that. If, if you want to start your own Bible study, more power to you. Uh, we'll do as much as we can to resource you and help you out. Start somewhere. Start, start with your spouse. Say to your spouse, hey, let's read Colossians. Maybe you're not married. Have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's nothing that's going to build your, your relationship better than digging into the word. Spending time together in the word. Start now before you get married. Start getting in the habit of speaking the word of God into one another's lives. Start with your kids. Impress press it on, their, on your children. Speak the word of God into their lives. Get used to it. Start somewhere. And then let me throw this little extra challenge out to some of you maybe that you're further along in your, your walk. And you're saying, well, I've, I've got, you know, such and such group every week. We, every single week, we dive into to Scripture together. That, that's awesome. But let me throw out a little extra challenge for you. Remember, in, in the book of Acts, they were continually devoted. That if you've got a group that you look into the Word once a week, step it up. Let me challenge you. Grab one or two friends from that group, maybe, maybe not from that group, that it will challenge you, that will encourage you, that will share the word of God with you daily. That you maybe just send a text to and say, you know, hey, just read this. Whew, that challenged me. Oh, hey, I was reading this. I, I think this would work in your situation. Well, it's good, good little bit of wisdom for you. Here you go. Oh, I read this. This was so encouraging me. I thought it would encourage you. And, and be in fellowship together every day over the word of God. Because for the early church, doing the Bible together was part of their everyday life with other believers, not just, not just their spouse and their kids. That's a great place to start. If you need to start somewhere, start with your spouse and kids. But, but build on that with some other believers. The word of God needs to be a central part of our fellowship. Remember last week when we talked about fellowship? Here's another challenge for you. Remember, we, we talked about fellowship comes from this Greek word koinonia. That, that word koinonia means participation and partnering and contribution. That part of fellowship is everybody contributing a little bit to the community. So many times we, we go into God's word thinking 
what can I get out of the word today? And you should. You should absolutely, every time you open up the word of God, you should think that God's going to speak to you from it. I I had a pastor say to me one time, when you open up the Bible, you need to have a pen and a piece of paper right there next to you with the expectation that God wants to speak to you from his word. Not, oh, I'm just going to read because I have to read, but opening up your Bible with the expectation that God has something to speak to you through his word today. And so going into it with that expectation and being ready for it. But so often we just go into God's word thinking, what can I get out of it today? But what if we also went into the word thinking, what can I give from the word today? What can I contribute to somebody from the word today? What can I contribute to somebody else's life? What can I contribute to their walk? What can I contribute to strengthening my Christian brothers or sisters, sharing a piece of scripture with them today? to giving wisdom, to train them, to correct them, to encourage them. What if you went into your Bible every day and said, Lord, I want you to speak to me and prayerfully asking the Lord to speak to you and prayerfully expecting that God wants to speak something to you today, but also asking, Lord, show me something that maybe I could contribute to somebody else, that I could give away to somebody else that would help them and encourage them today. Proverbs 18, 21 says that the tongue can bring life or death. The tongue can bring death or life. What if we all spoke a little bit more life into each other? What would it look like if when you talk to your Christian friends, you literally spoke words of life into them? Because the words from this book bring life, literally. What if when you, what if when I talk to people at church, at work, our neighbors, at school, wherever we went, that the life and the love of Christ radiated from the words we were using? What if we spoke life into one another? Because there are are plenty of people speaking death into each other today. You just need to turn on the TV. You just need to walk around where there are other people. And you'll hear people speaking death and discouragement. That's easy. Be countercultural. Speak 
the word of God into someone today. Speak life. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that real quick. We're going to practice it. So I'm going to have, go ahead and have the worship team come up. But as they're coming up, uh, let's practice this. So if anybody wants to share, I'm, Donna's bringing me the microphone. Thank you, Donna. Um, but if you have a, a verse of scripture that, that God that has spoken and that you, maybe it encourages you, maybe it challenges you, maybe you think, wow, this is just a good thing for me to remember. We're going to just take just a minute or two and share that with each other. I'll, I'll, I'll start. Uh, this past week, it popped up in my devotional time. I was reading through First uh, Thessalonians, and this is First Thessalonians 5, 9, and I'm sure I've read this hundreds of times, but it just popped out to me and just stuck with me. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. And I've, I've always read that in the context of a bunch of other verses, and it's good, it's good but, but just that verse jumped out at me this week. Just that one solid verse. That God chose to save us through Jesus Christ and not to pour his anger out on us. That was encouraging for me in that moment. That God didn't come to be mad at me, but he came to save me. So what's, what's a verse that God lays on your heart often? What's, what's a verse that maybe you could use to encourage somebody or, or challenge somebody with? Anybody? and know that I am God. I, I get all inside. Yeah, be still and know that I'm God. That, that one keeps coming up today. It came up in first service. Aaron's wearing it on his shirt that you probably have a hard time seeing and because uh, it, it's so such a neutral color. And, uh, and, and it was something that I was just praying through this morning before you all got here and I was praying for you guys. Just be still and know that I'm God. It's such a good verse. Did you have one, buddy? One that I think of often. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Mm. That's a good one. First Peter 5 through 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm. Yeah. I just want to say thank you to the lady that just spoke, be still. That spoke to me. I was, I'm driving in today, just so many things were on my mind, and um, just a situation that I've been praying for for over five years. And I'm like, Lord, I need to see evidence. I need to see evidence that you're working in that. And that was the encouragement I needed. Becky, mm. I need to just be still. So thank you. See, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. We speak words of life into each other, and it just works. I have three friends that are really seriously ill, and a couple of them are actually dying, 
And this morning, God gave me Mark 9, 23. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one, for one who believes. Really mm -hmm. grabbing onto that. Ezekiel 36, 26 said, um, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone or heart of sin, in my other translation, and give you a new heart. Oh. This is Galatians 1.10. This is my favorite verse. It says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And I always appreciate the obviously. It should be obvious that we're trying to have his approval and not other people's. Yeah. I got one, it's uh, Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am your God, I will strengthen you, yes I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have one they want to share? All right. Hi, I'm Hannah, I'm kind of new Hannah. here, but um, I have been going through a lot just with life changes as I'm getting married and searching for a house. And um, one that sticks out to me pretty much every day since this process has started is Proverbs 31:25. She is clothed and clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. And I just need that reminder with yeah. all the big life changes. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Hannah. Pray for Hannah. She's got a lot. <laughs> she's got a lot going on. Anybody else? First, they want to share. Uh, one thing I was reading, and also in First Thessalonians this week, was verses nine and ten of chapter four say about brotherly love: "You don't need me to write you, because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. You know, in a time coming out of." quarantine and all that stuff in the last year when we're taking stock and thinking about doing less in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's probably good, but um, that to do this even more has really stuck with me this week of uh, how do we press into love more, to care more, to, to do uh, chase after godly pursuits for each other even more than we did before. Anybody else? All right. Well, stand with me. And we're going to sing a spiritual song to each other.